Coming up on today's show. Why isn't the discussion about uh, Sandy O'Cranes and Swans part of this discussion that we're having right here? Would it be possible, one, to combine the central and north zone and the central zone and just have that one zone, keep the south zone, and then do like Wisconsin does and have a Mississippi River zone? And uh, in the 60s and 70s, a lot of the ponds started getting rented out to minnow dealers. It changed the lay of the land, so to speak. Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. By Haybale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. On April 1st, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources hosted a town hall online to talk about the potential changes to the waterfowl season regulations. Some of those changes include early teal season, ending the 4 p.m. closure, increasing the Canada goose bag limit to five per day throughout the entire season, changing the split lengths for the different zones in the state, open water hunting, motorized decoys, etc. I was able to participate a little bit and I'll let you know what I asked about coming up later in the show. This was part of the process that the DNR used to inform the public, get the public's opinions, and determine what changes could be made to the waterfowl season structure. It started with uh, the DNR staff just reaching out to a few people to get some ideas, and then they did some online surveys, and then they did uh, some mail-out surveys. They had, I think they mailed out uh, close to 7,000 surveys they got in the mail from duck stamp buyers. They had about 4,000 responses to their online survey. And this DNR town hall on April 1st had about 150 people taking part in addition to uh, eight or nine uh, DNR personnel like uh, Steve Kortz, Bruce Davis, uh, Dave Ofelt, Leslie McEnany, and then also Mike Larson, Mandy Erickson, Kelly Wilder, Adam Landon, and Liz Sherber were all part of this event on uh, April 1st. So I'm going to play back some of the discussion from that night uh, to, to give you an idea of what was discussed about all these different topics. One of the big ones, of course, this year is the opportunity to have an early teal season. Minnesota is the only state in the Mississippi Flyway that does not have an early teal season. They're uh, proposing a five-day teal season, September 4th through September 8th. Here's the discussion about that more support for bonus teal, but uh, you know, it does not really provide much additional opportunity. Teal populations are continentally are certainly doing fine. A very large review done before 2014 when the Northern states opened their teal seasons that showed uh, certainly a large increase in the uh, harvest could occur with no impact to, to continental teal populations. And, and that review included banding data from Minnesota and teal population data from Minnesota. When it comes to the early teal season, how will the DNR monitor the results? Yeah, so uh, the way the other states did it, they used a, a lot of staff, maybe 40 to 50 trained staff. And, you know, essentially you go out in the morning um, and try to get close enough that you can observe a hunting party. 
binoculars, scopes. Um, in some cases, um, I think we'll have to have people out and, you know, kind of pretend to hunt uh, so they can set up um, out in the marsh and be close enough. They can uh, see ducks and ID ducks as they fly by. It's a very short season. You know, I don't think it's going to cost a lot of money to do it. Um, it's going to cost, we'll have to have a lot of staff uh, statewide that help with it. But uh, the other states all did it and didn't have major issues with doing it. So agency is a lot bigger than some of those states. So I, I think we can uh, certainly accomplish the spy blind work. And um, if we do it, you know, we'll use the first year as a pilot and, you know, see if we need more people or, you know, how, how we'd have to change in the second year. What does the early teal season mean for youth day? You know, it's uh, well supported, but uh, uh, not a, uh, a ton of uh, youth out doing it. Uh, it may have changed a little bit when we added a second day to it, but, you know, I would put a, a higher priority on something like the teal season that, you know, anyone can do, do it. The youth can uh, uh, go teal hunt um, if we open a teal season. I don't think... Um, There'll be a huge impact on youth day. One of the topics that had a wide support across from uh, most hunters in Minnesota was increasing the Canada goose bag limit. The public questionnaire, you know, almost 90% of the comments uh, we heard on this one uh, were in support and uh, less than 10% opposed to it. On the mail out survey on the right, uh, 51% support the higher Canada goose bag limit. Uh, 9% opposed and 40% no opinion or neutral. And, you know, those are probably people that uh, don't really hunt Canada geese and don't really care either way. An interesting one was the motorized decoy usage in Minnesota and the restriction during the first part of the season. DNR can't change that. That's in legislature. And here's Steve explaining that. Uh, so it's in statute. Legislature has to change that and the governor has to sign that. If a change happens, uh, we will have to do rulemaking to to implement a change. But the, when something's in statute or law, uh, DNR cannot change it without the legislature and the governor doing that. You know, they're debating it right now. And the, and the language is to eliminate or allow uh, motorized decoys the entire season and the entire season on uh, WMAs. There was a discussion about a splash bag limit. People were unsure what this meant, and here's Steve explaining it. Three duck splash limit. This is not an option for any state in our flyway right now. Added it for input to maybe get uh, some baseline data. South Dakota and Nebraska will use it this fall as part of a three-year pilot. When a hunter buys a license, he or she has to pick uh, one of two types, uh, tier one license, uh, you get a normal bag limit, uh, six ducks for us, uh, species, sex uh, limits, or a hunter can pick a, two, a tier two license. It's a three duck limit, any sex, any species. So in theory, you could shoot three hen mallards with that. The rationale in uh, Nebraska and South Dakota, they think it could be a good uh, hunter recruitment tool, you know, for new hunters uh, who might be worried about uh, ID and ducks or things like that. Maybe even some current hunters that uh, just uh, want to shoot, you know, up to three ducks. Uh, and again, um, not an option for us right now, but uh, we do have some baseline info on that if it becomes an option at some point down the road. One of the more interesting questions I thought that came up was about freshwater shrimp and the effects that minnow dealers and rearing ponds have had on duck forage. Uh, my question has to do with the aquaculture. Uh, I started hunting, go going along with my dad back in 1949, started pulling the trigger in the early 50s, 
and uh, up in the area around Detroit Lakes on the prairie and so forth. And we had a lot of uh, small ponds, uh, some small lakes. They were a virtual uh, smorgasbord for the ducks when they'd come through. They were full of freshwater shrimp. They had uh, sago, uh, pondweed, all types of duck food. And uh, in the 60s and 70s, a lot of the ponds started getting rented out to minnow dealers. It changed the lay of the land, so to speak. We used to see uh, bluebills, uh, diving ducks all over the place, uh, basically all year until freeze up in some of the smaller ponds. Now you don't see anything. Good observations. Um, I think I'm going to punt to Bruce uh, Davis on this one um, and let him, you know, we uh, we have a, a person in our office that's uh, uh, doing uh, some very good research right now on uh, amphipods, and uh, maybe Bruce can uh, touch on that a little bit. Yeah, we've got an ongoing research project uh, to try to better understand uh, aquatic environments for for amphipods or, or freshwater shrimp, as you as you call them, um, uh, to try to better understand what's going on with those wetlands. Uh, we don't have results from that yet. Uh, that work's been going on for the last uh, uh, couple of years, um, but we'll we'll understand probably better understand uh, amphipod use and and more of what's going on in those wetlands in the next year. Or so uh, stay tuned for that. We're working on it, but we don't have all those answers yet. And I guess I'll uh, just add uh, to that um, in our duck action plan. There's certainly um, a lot of components that deal with uh, habitat work. You know, we're aware of uh, habitat issues on uh, small wetlands and shallow lakes, especially in western Minnesota. So uh, that work is uh, certainly a part of our duck action plan and uh, uh, over the next uh, uh, few years. So one change you could see to the split structure in Minnesota affects only the south zone where they potentially could have a shorter split. If you open on Saturday, the season always ends on Tuesday before Thanksgiving. If you take a five-day split, uh, Monday through Friday, at any point during the season, uh, you get a season that then ends Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, So instead of nine open weekends, we have 10 weekends of duck hunting. Plus, you know, you could consider uh, Thursday and Friday of Thanksgiving uh, a weekend. So you take a five-day split, you get an extra weekend late in the season of open hunting. And that's the rationale for uh, splits of five or 12, or, you know, we won't ever use a longer split than that. But um, I guess uh, we took input um, on our mail-out survey, uh, no split, a five-day split, or a 12-day split. And you can look at dorsal uh, uh, duck hunters, about 80% uh, prefer no split. You know, we're, we'll be frozen uh, well before the season ends, so uh, no reason to ever split the season. Uh, so they prefer uh, the season we've been using. <clears throat> in the central zone, uh, about 43% prefer uh, the five-day split we've been using, but almost an equal number would prefer no split at all. So again, probably uh, due to uh, freeze up, you know, they want uh, most of the season on the front end early. A little bit different opinions in the south zone. The preference is certainly still the 12-day split, uh, but Certainly about, you know, 25% prefer no split, 16% prefer a five-day split. So certainly some interest, even in the south zone, to use a shorter split than we do. And what uh, we recommended would be to use a five-day split starting this year. 
in the south zone, so the north and the central duck zones, the seasons uh, don't change from what we've been using other than, you know, a one-day shift in, in the calendar and a change in the south zone. I would like to see some sort of zone that allows us to hunt mallards in later seasons. And uh, somebody brought up some similar points about hunting Lake, Lake Superior later, because obviously there's ducks there where there's open water. But one caller also brought up the idea of changing the zone structure to allow for a river zone. Would it be possible, one, to combine the central and north north zone and the central zone and just have that one zone keep the south zone and then do like wisconsin does and have a mississippi river zone because a lot because i do some of the hunting down there later in the season and then like down that upper mississippi refuge flyway it tends to get good late in the year and if we keep the, the uh openers in september as we do we're essentially going to be done thanksgiving weekend and then just another add-on question on this because we have lower uh, duck hunters is it possible to talk to the feds and possibly go from a 60-day season to maybe like a 70- or 80-day season? The number of days right now, we're limited to uh, 60 days, but uh, there's been discussion for a number of years within our flyway uh, to add a week, uh, go to maybe 67 days. That has not been approved. I don't know that it ever will be because uh, we manage ducks um, Midcon and Mallards are managed uh, essentially between the Central and Mississippi Flyway. The two flyways have not agreed on additions uh, to either bag limit or season length. So we kind of remain in status quo uh, for up to 60-day season right now. But uh, there's been talk about changing that. And then in terms of the Mississippi River zone, uh, Wisconsin uh, just dropped that zone. Uh, they had it in place for five years. and Hunters did not like it. You know, from what I heard, uh, they put a lot more weight into hunting early and shooting teal and wood ducks on the river. And so Wisconsin uh, last year changed their duck zones and got rid of the, you know, it's kind of a, a very small zone on the river and they got rid of it. And instead now have a, a more of an open water zone in far eastern Wisconsin uh, that caters to uh, uh, open water hunters out Green Bay and places like that. Some people were concerned about the effects of the 4 p.m. closure restriction removal. You know, that was put in place um, mainly to reduce harvest. Um, and again, if you look at the slides I showed in terms of uh, uh, breeding duck numbers, uh, conditions back when that started were vastly different than they are today, uh, both in terms of uh, lower breeding duck numbers then, uh, much higher hunter numbers and harvest. The current restriction lasts for until the first split in the south and the central duck zone. So uh, nine days is all. Uh, so to close at four o'clock for a couple hours a day, you know, 20 hours or something. So it's a, a pretty short window of time. Whether or not it, it acts to hold ducks in the state longer, everything I've looked at with the four o'clock closure, we reduce harvest by using it, by doing it through Friday, October uh, nearest October the 8th, there's a slight reduction in harvest. But uh, So if it was effective at holding uh, birds in the state longer, you would think harvest would be higher, but it's not. Uh, so again, I don't think it's going to have a major impact on uh, duck um, abundance or dis distribution or harvest. Um, Again, but that's uh, maybe somewhat debatable. I had changed what question I was going to ask multiple times throughout the night, and when it finally came to me at the end of the at the end of the town hall, there were two species that have been discussed as part of this, but were left out 
of pretty much all this uh, survey and public input. So I had to ask. We're going to take a question from Brett A. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to do this. This is Brett Amundsen, Sporting Journal, Radio Prairie Sportsman. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to have some input on some of these changes. I think uh, some of the changes that have been made in the, in the past few years and these potential changes are great moving forward. Uh, the, the current ch potential changes are things I've heard about from a lot of other hunters that they would like to see change. So, uh, and some great questions tonight too from people uh, like the freshwater shrimp question, guy that talked about zones. I've been a proponent of the early teal season with the hope that we could have some late season, some later season hunting opportunities where there is habitat that supports that. Uh, Mississippi River, Lake Superior, even the Minnesota River Valley has some late season mallard hunting opportunities that I'd like to be able to take advantage of. But, I, but my question is uh, in regards to something that hasn't been brought up tonight with a population of trumpeter swans over 30,000, well above the target goal of 500. That's been the goal for a long time, combined with the negative effects swans have had on duck nesting and with other states having hunting seasons on the eastern population of sandhill cranes and the facts that their population is growing. Why isn't the discussion about uh, sandhill cranes and swans part of this discussion that we're having right here? You know, we didn't take input um, on uh, any sort of a swan uh, hunting uh, season uh, right now. At some point in the future, uh, uh, we're well aware that, you know, that could come up and we will certainly need broad input from the public outside of just hunters. You know, just because swans uh, have a, a huge following, they're still a non-game bird in Minnesota. Uh, so that's perhaps somewhere down the road. But uh, um, at this point, we're, we're not pursuing a swan season. We didn't take input this go around on that. In terms of sandhill cranes, uh, we did have a question on the mail-out survey about cranes, but uh, uh, there's been an expansion in our flyway, I think, uh, one, two, three states right now hunt the eastern population of uh, sandhill cranes, and we have two populations in state uh, in the northwest where we currently hunt uh, mid-continent cranes, and then in kind of central east eastern Minnesota, uh, most of those are uh, EP population that migrate uh, down towards Florida anyway, and their population's doing well, expanding, and you know, at some point, uh, we'll need broader engagement uh, for if we pursue a, a new season or a season on EP cranes, but uh, uh, we'll have to reach out to birders and uh, wildlife viewers and things like that. But I, th I think if both populations of uh, swans and cranes are doing very well, but, you know, at this point, we're not pursuing anything, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, somewhere down the road, if populations keep doing what they're doing, uh, that issue will come up again, but uh, it's it's not an issue right now for the DNR. And I would like to just clarify my position so that nobody is misunderstood about where I'm coming from. I think the trumpeter swan uh, efforts, recovery efforts in the state have been remarkable. I applaud those that have done it. Uh, I think they're cool birds, they're giants, but there is there are effects on the rest of the ecosystem when the population grows like this. Um, what are those effects exactly? And why not manage the population if they're hunted in other states too? We have a manageable population for 
that could sustain a hunting season. Uh, I'm not necessarily for or against it. I'm just curious why it's not part of the discussion. You can learn more about this on the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources website. And then the uh, results, the season structure will be finalized in early summer. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. On X Hunt, ever heard of it? Next time you see that guy at your local shop who always punches his tag on a stud whitetail, ask him. He'll tell you about the most trusted source for mapping. With nationwide landowner names, private and public land boundaries, including walk-in areas, map tools to mark spots, and the ability to view your maps without cell service. And that's just scratching the surface. It's your time to be known as the big buck guy around town. Download the leader in hunt mapping on Google Play or the App Store. On X Hunt, know where you stand. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm gonna fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. Go to this site right here. Anglers looking for a destination where walleyes, fresh air, and fish fries are a way of life? Look no further than the famous waters of Lake of the Woods. From Bedette and the Rainy River to the main lake up to the Northwest Angle. Here you'll enjoy the best walleye catch rate in the state. Maybe you'll pursue world-class sturgeon, pike, or muskies. Plus you'll find lots of full-service resorts offering charter boats, delicious meals, and lots of Minnesota nice. Come experience the walleye capital of the world. Come experience Lake of the Woods. Catch the details at lakeofthewoodsmn.com.